You're listening to Hawk Talk, the official podcast of Monmouth University Athletics. Here are your hosts, Eddie Acapinti and Greg Viscomi. I must say, I really like the routine that we're in. Anytime I get to catch up with my good friend and co-host, producer Greg Viscomi, talk a little Monmouth Athletics, it is a good day. Greg, how you doing today? I'm great. I was getting nervous that we wouldn't be able to record one this week. We had a lot of games going on and stuff going on. So I was like, oh man, are we going to get to the end of the week and not put one out? Because we're trying to do this weekly, come heck or high water. So uh, I was getting nervous, but I'm excited that it is Friday morning and we are we are putting pen to paper or whatever they would say in the podcast world. Uh, we'll say voice to recording. I Perfect. think it works better. Um, Perfect. It's been busy. It, everyone can see that. All you have to do is go on mammothhawks.com and see how busy things have been, you know, coming off of, you and I talked about, you know, the men's basketball team's COVID pause, and, and now they're coming off of that. But between the men's schedule, the women's schedule, and everything else going on around here, it, it's starting to get that feel like, you know, you got a game every day, every Ramping other day. It feels yeah. like last spring a little bit. My wife said that <laughs> the other day. We were looking at the family calendar, and I was like, oh, I'm not going to be around for this. I'm not going to be around for that. Uh but it just feels like we have a game every other day. But you know what? I think what we all learned from 2020 was, uh, I in this business, we'd much rather have some games than sitting around just answering emails and, and dreaming up content to come up with. So We've lived both sides. We've lived the coming up with content without games. That's how Hawk Talk was born, if mm. you right remember that. It's true, yeah. And, Zoom. And we've had it this way, and we'll take this way every day. 100%. Let's get into it. Going to talk hoops, going to talk swimming, and really excited to bring in our guest a little bit later on, Callan Smith from the Men's Swimming Program. Uh, got to talk to Matt Nunnally, so that's always a good day. Goat. Getting ready for this. And and a swimming program that has really been on the rise since Coach Nunnally you know, brought it back a couple of years ago. Really excited for today's conversation. Yeah, no, it's, it's awesome, and that's the whole point of Hawk Talk, right? We talked about how many great stories there are out there that don't always get the coverage. And, you know, men's basketball, women's basketball, uh, football, like they get the coverage naturally because of the nature of the beast. But we have so we have 600 student athletes here and there are so many good stories. So Callan Smith is one of those. Uh, that was a thing, I, you know, we spoke about trying to get uh, him involved. He breaks records and this, you know, he can talk about Matt Nunnally and he's Australian, which is kind of cool angle, I think. So that is going to be a really good interview and I'm excited for it. That's coming up in just a little bit, but we first get a, our little look around the Mammoth athletic scene, you know, bowling, competing, the hoops teams, as you know, were competing and it was a great night last night uh, in our recording today, Thursday evening for these Mammoth teams. The women get a come from behind home win. The men get a come from behind Road win. Good mm-hmm. night last night to be a hawk. Yeah, it was awesome. <clears throat> Excuse me. I got a tweet in my drafts that I started to write, like, always oh, great to have two wins in a night, and I don't know what happened. I just never hit send last night. But uh, I, I was here at West Long Branch watching the women come out and beat Niagara in a really, really, really fun game. Um, I think they it was a, ended up being a three-point game. Uh, just back and forth, push and pace, fun to watch. The ball's flying all over the place. We had some fast break stuff. We had some great inside plays. We had a couple big three-pointers. It was just a really, really good game to watch. And Stella Clark and company was good. And uh, they got some players back who hadn't played in a little bit. Alexa Wallace and and Serena Harrelson um, both played. And and that was awesome. They outscore Niagara 19-8 in the fourth quarter. It's kind of a theme. That's like their thing. It is. And it's becoming a theme with both of these teams. The women, obviously have quarters, have been winning these fourth quarters, especially defensively. The men have been winning these second halves, specifically defensively. Uh, just to close the thought on the women's team, they're 8-5 and five now. They're 3-1 and one overall. The team won 11 games combined the last two years. You could stop playing that game or what they did last year. No. Now this team is legitimately surging up the max standings sure. at three and one. Uh, three straight home. We got three more home games too. So come out and support. Yeah, there, it's a ton of home games in a row, and it starts uh, tomorrow afternoon, Saturday afternoon. If you're listening to this recording, but then it's Saturday, 
Monday, and then the rivalry game with Ryder on Thursday. That's next week, the 27th. So the women have a ton in a row at home. The men have a ton in the row at home. They got sure. a big road win last night, 61-58 up at Fairfield in the freezing cold Webster Bank Arena. <laughs> it's a nice rink. It, it is. It's a hockey arena. They do a great job there, and the mm-hmm. crew at Fairfield is amazing. They're, they're great. They're great folks. Big win for Coach Rice's team, kind of get off that little mini schneid they were on. And you could even feel it. I talked to Walker Miller after, and it's on social media. But before that interview, he said, we're just excited to practice now together. They haven't been together in right. a lot. Two of- practices, I yeah. believe, they've had together. And that, you know, that, that, that you know, <laughs> we're not going to rehash, uh, you know, the, the losing skid because we don't need to. But, you know, against Iona, which is another awesome game with an awesome crowd and an awesome student section. Yep. Uh, in that game, you know, we missed a bunch of free throws, which is super uncharacteristic. But Coach Rice came out and said, you know, that, that that's all in your legs. Free throws are all in your legs. And these, these kids are exhausted from having COVID, from not practicing. And now they've started to practice together. And you're going to see us get right back to shape. I mean, I wasn't at that game last night. You were. Uh, I watched the beginning of it. It looked like George Pappas couldn't be stopped in the first 20 minutes or first 15 minutes. How did the rest of it kind of go? It, it was an up and down kind of game. I think you saw, so his mom, it's fourth game in seven days. They did start fast, but then after that initial surge kind of wore off, Fairfield did go on a big run, but you saw Mammoth get key stops defensively. And then that kind of led to the offense. You mentioned it. Coach Rice said it. When you get tired, the first thing to suffer is your offense. It's your shooting, but defensively they dug in. That's what leads you to believe Fourth game in seven days, on the road, no atmosphere, right? No crowd. They brought the energy. They got the key stops late, and you know this team has a run in them now. No doubt we saw it in you know November and December. So really encouraging performance against the Fairfield team that you know they, they that beat them in the postseason last year. So that was a big win for Mamet. They had that game circled a little bit, mm-hmm. so, so that was key. But, uh, you know, you and Revenge. I— Revenge. Yeah, a little bit. George said that on the radio. We yeah. talked to him after, you know, so it was good. Uh, but really excited for today's conversation. You know, this Mammoth Swim program is a proud program with a great history. Greg and I are going to catch up with one of the uh, new Hawks making history for this program. We'll talk to Callum Smith in just a minute. So excited for today's guest in this proud Mammoth Swimming program that has such a great history is rewriting new history. And one of the reasons why has been the success of of Callan Smith, who now joins us. And Callan, Greg, and I really appreciate you coming by. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, thanks so much for having me, guys. It means a lot for the swimming program. Well, and we're excited to not only talk swimming, talk your story as well. And uh, but let's start there. You know, this Mammoth Swim program has a great history here. And how much of it did Coach Nunnally you know, kind of educate the current swimming group on because there were years that this program had Olympians coming out of it. And now you and your classmates and your teammates are bringing this program back. How much of the history of Mama Swimming did you know about? Um, when I was first reached out to, I didn't know much up until the point I got here. And Matt, and in particular Steve, as an ex-swimmer on the team as well, uh, basically informed us of like the history of our swim team and how successful we were in the past and how we're trying to re-reach that point because we've only been back and running for like six years now, I believe. So we're still like a fairly new program. But looking back at some of those swimmers, we've had Wendy, uh, Olympic medalist, come back and like swim with us and like show us a little bit of what she did back in her time and stuff like that. And she just expressed to us like how it was back when she trained. And like, it's like changed so much since then. And it's just great to see like people like that. And even some of the guys on the men's team that we've spoke to it, um, events like dinners, lunches, and things like that. It's just crazy to think that this program stopped for 40 years, but these guys all still have that connection to the swim team and to the coaches here. That's a great point. And I don't, you know, Greg, you and I have been here long enough where we weren't here when swimming was first at Monmouth. But, Callan, you bring up a great point. And, Greg, we see it all the time. It is a very engaged group of people that has continued coming to events even when there wasn't a program. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the really the, the huge reasons why the, the program was brought back. Uh, you know, it was just the, the history of it. And when you start looking through, <clears throat> excuse me, what records we have, I mean, Olympians, NCAA champions, NCAA appearances, and who knows why they dropped it. I mean, none of us, I don't even know if I was alive when we dropped it, and I'm the oldest guy in the room, but... um, uh, you, you brought it back, and, and it's just had a, a surge of popularity, and we went out like we always do or like we do most of the time and found an awesome coach in Matt Nunnally, and he's a local guy who's kind of gotten these people back involved in the program. And, and I think 
bringing bringing Steve Levine in, who is one of the the most low key guys in this department. He just comes to work every day. He smiles. Might be he the nicest hello. person. He's the in nicest the person in the office. He, he he's the nicest guy, and it's awesome to hear like hear Callen talk about like you know what Steve means bridging that gap between being an athlete here and bringing the program back, and now he's teaching. The, the younger in quotes, I you know don't want to use that term, but he's teaching this new wave of mammoth swimmers about the history that that we want it to be like we yeah we had forty year gap or whatever it is but but let's kind of let's let's continue and let's carry the kind of torch for lack of a better term and we'll get into Callan's accolades and and his great story but many it, so many I have a full pad of notes it, it, Callan you know let's kind of start there you come. To Monmouth, there's a lot of local student athletes on the swim program. But you come from Western Australia to the swim program. What were the things initially that that brought you to Monmouth? You mentioned Steve and Matt, but but what were the things that really, uh, when you were looking at universities, really brought you here? Um, well, I knew nothing about Monmouth when I first started looking at colleges. I was looking up and down America, everywhere basically, and I didn't even have any in New Jersey. I don't think. And then Matt Nunnally reached out to me through a mutual friend of mine. Uh, as a lot of people don't know. Matt Nunnally went to Worlds for surf lifesaving, for lifeguarding for many years, national champion for several, like numerous, over 20 medals, gold medals by himself and within teams at Bradley Beach. And he had a mutual friend with mine and my friend came up to me one day when we were down at the beach and was just like, hey, have you heard of Monmouth? And I was like, never heard of it. He gave me the list of it and I gave it a quick look and then I saw it was close to the beach, nice place in New Jersey and I was like, damn, this, this looks pretty good to me. So I reached out to the coaches and then from there, it was all pretty smooth transition to, from first recruiting all those years ago to like getting on the plane, coming over here for the first time, which was pretty crazy, but getting <laughs> to meet everyone once I got here. It's pretty remarkable, the similarities between Western Australia and East Coast New Jersey. I, obviously, I've never been to Australia, so I think it's so interesting. <laughs> it, it, has it been a smooth, I mean, obviously, you know, you're uh, an upperclassman now, but was it initially a smooth transition for you? Uh, yeah, I was so lucky with the team. I, I'm assuming uh, from the teams that I've met at Monmouth, which is quite a few, all the teams here are just great. The atmosphere that every single team has is just something that you don't get anywhere else in the world. Even coming back from like club teams, they were good. But like as a whole school thing, it's just crazy. Just like see, see the atmosphere and the bonding that all the teams have across campus. So it was completely the same with swimming. Some of the older guys, Frank Nicola and the other captains, such as Billy Lyons, Nate Ladary, they were all just so good to me when I first arrived, and that was crazy. What Was your family hesitant to send their son literally halfway across <laughs> the world to a school that they know nothing about? Yeah, well, my brothers didn't really mind. They thought, big expansion <laughs> for them. They get all my consoles, all my room, everything that I owned. Uh, but my mum my mom was the most upset, I'd say. She, she likes me to ring her once a week at least and try try to tell her what's happening here. And my dad was obviously pretty upset too, but like they both understood like how much this meant to me. Have they been out uh, to America, to Jersey? Uh, yeah, they came one year to come over and see me and they were planning on coming this year, but COVID in Australia might not be able to do it anymore. But yeah, they've come and seen me, which was great. That's good. Not just a, a great swimming background though, but you've mentioned it and Coach Nunnally mentioned it when I caught up with him, but the surf and life-saving element to this whole operation here it's so interesting to me you know as someone who never was in the the world of swimming you've mentioned it a few times and i know that it's something a lot of your teammates have as well is it as big in where you were in australia and i know that you come from a very successful program on that west coast of florida but it seems like a lot of those similarities come the great competitive swimmers with that surf and, and life-saving background kind of take the listener through that that's interesting to me uh, I know in Australia it's a huge thing and it, and it's a pretty big thing here as well. It's that connection between surf lifesaving and swimming. Just because obviously swimming, it's it's not the most entertaining sport. You don't have teammates to talk to a lot of the time. You've just got your head down, you're swimming up and down the pool. So it's always good to get into the ocean, swim around there, do some local competitions, but not just that, but also help out volunteer with lifeguarding down the beaches for some of the people that aren't as good swimmers. So that's always always a great thing just to give back to communities with things like that. But it's very similar here with how that lifeguarding has become. And you can see it in some of the recruits we've got. We've got a recent freshman from New Zealand who was also in that surf life-saving background, Sam Poaching, and some local guys that have started doing it as well with Gavin and it, all things like that. So we're starting to become like a program that has that mixed 
sort of environment from where we've come. Does that make you a better collegiate swimmer? Personally, I think it does just because it's just more competition for you. And at the end of the day, like natural talent, training and stuff will only get you so far. But that mental like competitiveness, that aspect of it is something that like you need in every sport, no matter what you're doing. And that that's the difference between like the little things like going to training every day when you're beat up and stuff like that. And just getting that competitiveness to not only like bring yourself up, but bring up your other teammates and to just keep training harder. So interesting to me because... You know, I don't know if there's a parallel to that in other athletics and sports, right? Like if you look at a, you know, a basketball player, right? Like there's, they go play basketball. If you look at a football player, they go play football. Maybe cross training, right? If, you, if you're a football player who plays another sport, but the fact that this is all tied into swimming, I think makes it really unique. And it's really interesting. It's an individual sport, but it's a team sport as well. So does that element to it really Cal and capture the whole the the team aspect of it because you're used to performing on those you know surf and life-saving teams and then you bring that to this team even though you're individuals but that team here this program yeah that's certainly a big thing of it surf life savings are much more team orientated and then once you go from that and bring it into a pool team you just bring so much more to like the table in terms of motivation encouragement and just your gentle gen, general interaction with the teammates so from that aspect yeah you nailed it it's just it helps because swimming's, as I already said, is a it's much harder to be team orientated compared to sports like football and stuff like that, where right. you're constantly talking and you've got your own offensive defensive teams that like you've sort of been already grouped up into. Do you, growing up, did you play any other sports? I played Australian rules football. I wasn't great at it. Any land sports is not my forte. That's how I, <laughs> that's how I got into the water sports. I've always wanted to try a little bit of American football, but. I don't know. They don't let me pad up here. It's a bit sad. Just for a training <laughs> session, I think it'd be cool to go around and. I don't think do Coach Nunnally is going to allow that to happen. Maybe in the off season, I'll reach out to the football <laughs> coach, try get something organized. So you can play. So we, as American sports fans, right? We know Australian rules football, obviously, but you know a little bit. I mean, I'm well, not going to try to say that I'm an expert. No, I, I've seen it. Right? I know what it looks right, like. Right. So, Callan, you can play that. I mean, obviously, there's no pads. It's you. That's a sport you could play as a youth. You play that growing up. Yeah. So that's tough. Yeah, it's it's a it's a little bit different. I, I like the aspect of it. It's it's similar to that of rugby for the listeners. Right. That like you get hit pretty hard, but you don't wear pads, obviously. But it's pretty similar to. Uh, your NFL in terms of how how the hits work and everything like that, but yeah, it's it's a good sport to grow playing up hardens you, I think. So that's always nice. What uh, just jumping out of the pool for a minute? Is there something that you've done in your time over here? You know that that you've really. I mean, obviously, I'm sure you've gone up to New York City. Like, have you done any sightseeing? I mean, you've been here for so long. What's one thing that you've done that you really liked? Um, visiting all the cities in America, they're just. Coming from Australia, where we're obviously a newer country and everything like that, our cities aren't as developed. Like, the history you guys have at some of your cities is just insane. Like, you go to New York, and that's probably bigger than all the cities in Australia combined. It's, like, it's just the, the natural size of it is just astonishing to anyone. And I'm sure all the internationals that have come over here say the same thing. New York, Philly, all the local ones in this area are just crazy big. Do you have a, a favourite? Um, I'm going to go Philly just because... I think they're fans boy. the ones that are going to hate on me the most. So, <laughs> <laughs> No way. boy, We'll take that. Well, that would uh, kind of lead into, uh, and we are going to get back in the pool in a second, but since we're here, let's stay here. You mentioned Australian rules football, but I know that you have kind of got in with some of your teammates who are closer to Philadelphia. And I don't know if you knew this about Callan. Callan is a Philadelphia Eagles fan. And I know that's what, I wish that great. Yeah, I know. Go ahead. I'm too slow on the button to hit the applause button. <laughs> how did how did that happen? Because Mammoth is so interesting, right? We're kind of split between New York and Philadelphia, but you, like you said, kind of favor that Philadelphia side a little more. So you and Greg share that along with Mark. Who's yeah, with Mark's grinning. Mark's grinning beneath that mask. I can tell. Uh, I can see it as well. How, how did that come about? Where you fell into a group that was more Philadelphia and Eagles based? Um, when I first got here, a couple of the other freshmen, we were divided. We had a Pittsburgh fan, so we had that. We had a couple Giants fans, and then we had a couple of Eagles fans. And I think the Eagles fans, just with their cheering alone, got me over to that side. <laughs> and Will Lukens in particular was just one of the most fanatic fans I've ever seen <laughs> in any sport. Like, I, I'm a big fan of all my sporting teams, but the Philadelphia fans are built different. I don't know what it is, something in the water up there, uh, down there, but... 
it's crazy to think like that they just go after it every every Sunday, every game day, and it's it's unparalleled. We're we're definitely clipping that to promo this podcast. I know, I know that that will be clipped a hundred percent. Listen, I, and I'm the Giants fan in the room, but I thought that would be awesome. You could say they're they're Eagles fans are probably the closest thing to to hooligans we have here in America. Right? Oh, over the line, too much. <laughs> over the line. Mark likes it. Mark likes it. Now have Matt Nunnally is a huge Dallas Cowboys fan. That's right. In fact, I would say out of the last six conversations I've had with Coach Nunnally, five of them, one of them has had to do with Mama swimming, and the other five have had to do with the NFL and the Dallas Cowboys. Does Have you spoken with him about you adopting the Philadelphia Eagles as you've, as you've come over here? Yeah, he certainly wasn't happy with it. I got a couple hard trainings for that one when I first, <laughs> when I first came out as an Eagles fan. He was quite upset. He thought he could push me into the Cowboys, but him being the only one on the team made it a little bit hard. Mm. Mm. I, I, I can say, and we all know, you know, you grow up in this area, you, you weirdly enough meet a lot of Cowboys fans. Matt Nunnally might be the most, like, logical one of the group. Like most, he's, he's certainly the most likable one. And most likable, 100%. Uh, it's, it, it's too funny, and I'm going to change topics because I'm out number three to one now. Mm. So I, 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 I'm going to switch it up a little, but Callan, you can tell... Right, just talking to you, your passion for the Monmouth program, but also for just being competitive, right? You mentioned Australian rules football and obviously your, your background with, you know, surf and life-saving, but let's get in the pool now for a second. You know, there's a lot of really impressive numbers, and I know you probably haven't had the chance to look back at your career because you're still very much in it, and there's championships to be won, but 67 career wins individually, so we start individually first. What's your mindset on a competition day when you kind of get yourself ready, you know, to go in the pool? You know, I'm so interested how different athletes approach competition you specifically when you want to do let's start with individual races what is kind of the mentality of a swimmer because i think a lot of our listeners don't have any idea your preparation that goes into to you know to a, a race or to a meet uh yeah well as everyone knows swimming's as much of an individual sport as any other sport out there it's it's mainly just about how you do and those points help the team so with that on a good day, anyone can get in the pool and swim for yourself and like do well just because you want to do yourself, like do well for yourself. But like the difference is like that I've realized is as I've gone along my college career is when I'm not feeling good in the pool, when, when you're having that bad day, it's, it's, you're tired from training, you're beat down and going in and realizing that like you're not trying to do well for yourself, you're trying to do well for your team because if, if these top end swimmers are dropping events, the morale drops in the team. It happens like everyone. We need like 100% things because when meets happen, it's not just the like winning races, it's the thirds, fourths that all add up. So if everyone's like trying hard at those meets, that's what makes the difference. And that's why I believe I've I've been pretty efficient with and pretty like, um, I don't know how the word would be, but like steady with my results of trying to do the best I can for the team aspect of it. Now, Greg, it's so unique in the world of college athletics because so much it's black and white, right? It's a win or a loss. But like Callan said, individual performances now dictating team results. And then I think your answer was was a brilliant one. The performance of one can affect the morale of so many. And then that's how you get team wins. That's something that's very unique to swimming. And I think that, you know, Callan's playing it down a little bit, but being one of the premier swimmers on a team, like there's a lot of weight on your shoulders. Like you're expected to get in the pool and, and people expect you to get in the pool and all counts in the backstroke. Like we got a dub right here. Like let, <laughs> we'll, let's move on to the next, you know, we'll move on to the next, the next swim. So like that, that's a huge uh, weight on his shoulders. And I'm sure there's others on the team too, that, you know, when you're, it's, you're part of a team, but that's individually on your back, you know, just like our track and field teams. There's, right. There's guys and, and, and women who are, are expected to win certain uh, events. And if you don't, it's almost like you're letting, like, oh, but the, the team was counting on those points out of you. I mean, I don't think it's that much different than, you know, a, a team expecting George Pappas to go out and hit five threes and, and come away with 21 points a game. It's not going to happen every game. It's just not the way sports work. It doesn't work at that in the, in the professional ranks all the way down to, like, you know, my son's whatever team basketball team does right. it doesn't work that way so um there is definitely a lot of pressure there and, and to, to when you're one of the best to to carry a team a little bit or at least do your portion Callan, i know that you have experience with all the strokes right and i understand that but i hear 
the uh, the records and a lot of the relay teams that you're a member of, right? It's it's freestyle and. I've heard you run the program you refer to as Mr. Backstroke. So we have to ask, which stroke do you prefer? If, if you could pick one race to go out, uh, it, it, let's say it's your final college race, which one would you pick? I'd pick the 200 Backstroke, but on record, Mr. Backstroke, that is the worst nickname ever. <laughs> and I've tried to get it removed. I don't know how that's still a thing. We, we can do it right now officially. I, I'd like that very uh, much. Weekend, but his teammates I don't yeah. think are going <laughs> to... I don't think his teammates are going to get rid of it. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Finish the answer. Uh, yeah, the 200 backstroke <laughs> would, would be the race I'd choose. That's just the one I've done the most, and that's the one I'm I'm most happy with my performance and my improvement over my years here. I am completely naive, other than the fact that I can swim and uh, I'm very buoyant. Uh, <laughs> how do you – how much – take us through training on, on a day practice – how much do you practice certain strokes? Like run me through being totally naive to it. Run me through a day of practice when you show up to the pool um, on, a, on a random Tuesday. All right. So Tuesday we have a lift in the morning. We'll go in with Geo, great lift coach, get a workout there for an hour. And then the hour after we do a quick uh, land work and core set. So just try to get those abs a little bit more tuned for the uh, stroke transitions. It's part of my problem. No, go ahead. <laughs> so th that's the first two hours of the morning, and then we come back later for our swim session, and that will probably be anywhere from 5,500 yards to 7,000 yards. So that's over the two-hour period, and from that, half will be freestyle, and then half will be your prime stroke. For me, that would be backstroke, but if you swim freestyle, you'd be doing the whole 7,000 freestyle I am, you'd be switching the strokes up, breaststroke, you'd be switching them up the same as how I'd do for backstroke. Gotcha. So let's say there was a deficiency on the team in the breaststroke. How does one, like, does somebody go to coach not only and say, hey, listen, I really want to, I think I might be able to help us in the breaststroke. You know, can we work on that a little bit? Or is that all come from coach and, and, and Steve, like, hey? Uh, a lot of it's recruiting wise that, like, if we see we're a little bit weaker in a, in a, aspect of our team will go out and recruit so recently it's been the longer distance events so we've recruited a great freshman class that are all pretty solid in the longer distance events and we're going to score a lot of points in the, those events now and that's now one of our strongest but people have been known to transition a little bit from event to event usually from longer ones to shorter ones or shorter to longer ones but not so much moving from say me doing backstroke to going and doing breaststroke or anything like that that's mm -hmm. a little bit more unheard of Interesting, though, that, that that's the thing. No different than another program. If you have, like you said, a deficiency in a certain area, hey, hey we're graduating a shortstop. Got we, gotta recruit. Go, we have to go find a shortstop. Yeah. Exactly. That's, it's so interesting. You know, Callum, the, the swim team has just gotten better, right, every single year. And a lot of that has coincided with you and your teammates, you know, just constantly improving and doing better. Uh, you know, it just seems like that kind of constant ascension. Is there a, a, a theme or, you know, do you even think about things like that? Or are you guys so focused kind of one day at a time, you know, getting a little bit better? But when you kind of step back, you could see the steps that this program has made specifically in your time here. Uh, certainly at the moment and my whole career, it's been one year at a time, but I'm sure the coaches are looking at the bigger picture with that. So when I first got here, we had a great team morale and everyone was just trying to improve. And then every year from that, from freshman to senior, the captains we've had every year have been great captains. As I said, like Frank Nicola, Billy Lyons, Nate Ladery, Trevor Askew, Ryan Homan, just all these guys are listed. Just They all focused on improving the program, and I'm just trying to do my part to, to keep that improvement going. And this team is back at it on Saturday, going up to St. Peter's. It's a, a fourth MAC dual meet of the season. Team has won the first three MAC dual meets going back to October. So as you kind of ramp up for conference play, right, or, or excuse me, for the the MAC championships, we know that's the goal, right? More so than any other sport here, really, track and field and swimming. It's those MAC championships. As you and your teammates kind of get ready for that, can you feel that, right? Are you individually ramping up? For obviously that huge weekend in Buffalo? Yeah, I think everyone's getting excited for that. And I'm just trying to do my part, as as um, you covered earlier, that like each performance helps the morale of the next performance. And I've got a couple of the early events. So if I can hopefully go out and do well in those early events, that'll get everyone excited. And like not just me, but the other guys in those first relays. If we all go out and get a good start, win a couple of those two early relays, then that's just going to help everyone's morale for the four days. Because... It's a draining, draining week. It's four days of competition. You're at the pool for 15 hours a day. Then you go back, sleep the rest of the time, nap between sessions. It's pretty grueling, but the, the morale is the big 
big changing point for any team. That's that's where you can win or lose. How hard was it last year? Only I think you guys only got one meet in because of COVID, and I know Coach was scrambling to try to get. You know, he was really trying. You know, we get a meet, a dual meet on, on the you know on the books, and then it'd get canceled, and then we get one on the books and it get canceled. How hard you know? How hard was it for you guys to kind of? And it affected every athlete here, but really, I felt bad for for the swim team probably more than anybody because they did place play, they did compete so little. You know how difficult was that overall? That hurts a lot because swimming's a little bit different to any other sport. Like you miss a week of swimming, it takes two weeks to get back to where you were. Whereas other sports, not, not like not talking them down or anything like that, but like you can go out and train a little bit by yourself and stuff like that. But swimming, if you miss a little bit, you're gonna have to try so hard just to get back into the shape that you were. Just because walking around gives you that little bit of like exercise for any land sport, whereas swimming, if I'm not in the water, I'm I'm not using my arms in any motion for the rest of my day like this. It's just not going to happen. So that hurt. That whole year we were doing little training. So going from doing only a couple sessions a week, not doing any meets, not having any real motivation to swim for anything that year, and then coming back into a full year, everything's basically back to normal in terms of competition. Not so much the outside stuff, but in the pool, it's competition is is back to normal. I'd say it's just been a it's been a hard transition for a lot of people. I'd say, and I think that mirrors a, what everyone is is going through. But like you said, made so much more so. It's more evident for the swimmers who, like you said, you have to be in the pool to be working out and to be training. Uh, but I thought you made an interesting point about you know the ramp up for MAC championships, and now that not having that last year, like Greg mentioned, take us through. Maybe, you know, and I know it depends whether you're swimming a leadoff leg or an anchor leg of a relay, but the team element to it, right? We, guys like us, right, we, we watch the Olympics, for example, and we see, or your events, and we see how kind of excited your teammates get around these relays. Take us in the pool now. When you can, as you come up for air and hear the people cheering, hear your teammates cheering, how much more different is that relay component, which you uh, had so much success with part of four school record relay teams compared to the individual it's something like nothing else I've ever felt. It's the closest any swimmer will get to, I don't know, like a football or basketball when you're playing and you can just hear everything. As soon as you, when you're on the block, it's pitch quiet, everyone's quiet, and then you dive in, you hear it briefly before you hit the water. Then it's quiet once you're in the water, obviously. But every time you take that breath, you get that little, not even half a second, quarter of a second where you can just hear loud screaming and then you're back in the water, back to pitch quiet. So that's something that a lot of people don't know, that it's it's that what like fuels you so much in those extra events. I mean, people cheer hard for all the individual events, but when you're up on those relays, that's nothing compares to that. That's the most fun you'll ever have in swimming, and that's just the best I've ever felt, and that's why most people, including myself, have our best results on those relay legs. It's just the atmosphere that comes with it. When you come up for, uh, Greg, just one second, when you come up for that quarter second of air, can you hear specific voices? Can you hear like Coach Nunnally or your teammates or is it all just kind of a blur? It's, it's all a blur, I'd yeah. say, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, they, the coaches stand there and scream at the water. <laughs> I know. And I'm always sitting there going like, you know, when I'm in my pool or whatever, I'm like, I can't hear anything. Like, <laughs> like I, I'm pretty impressed that they can hear like Coach Nunnally telling them, you know, whatever it is. Right. Um, but but I, I think just circling back to the relay thing like you know obviously most people watch swimming during the olympics and and what everybody loves are those you know the short freestyles usually or the short anything you know 50s 100s 200s and then the relays like everybody loves to watch the relays uh what is it is it just because that's it's four athletes each doing you know for the medleys each doing something different like what makes it so attractive you think to to people who aren't swimmers honestly i'm not sure it it might come with america's success and realize they're the most dominant team ever that obviously helps but i think they can also see the atmosphere change from an individual you've just got the one person swimming but when you see like the other three guys going crazy behind the block for that one swimmer i think that helps people like fuel the people even at home just watching that you watch like Michael Phelps, Caleb Dressel, all these guys just screaming, some of the greatest athletes of all time, just screaming at their teammates to get the job done. And it's it's a quick four-minute race. You don't have to tune in much. You got that, and then you're done. It's it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. It's it's one of the best best events in the world, in no, the in the Olympics. No, it is. It, especially this past summer Olympics. I mean, that was that's appointment television. And it's sure. no, and it's no different than these Mac championships, you know, Callan for you and your teammates. I want to take you back to 2019 because it, it leads me into kind of a bigger question. 
you, you just heard him mention, you know, you're at the pool 15 hours a day, you know, for these MAC championships and you're swimming for specific events, you know, two, three times in a day with heats and qualifying. So now I want you to take us back. 2019, you're the last swimmer to qualify for the A final, right? In the 500 free. But then, so you get in and you make it by a couple of seconds. How do you know how much energy to put forth in a qualifying you know, heat to then come back and win the event later in the night. How in the world do you know your body that well to know, <laughs> all right, well, there's two heats of this. If I swim this time, but you don't know that you're not counting when you're in the pool. How, especially in that great accomplishment of yours, how do you know how much energy to put out to then know what you have in the tank for, you know, four hours later? That's, I got lucky with that one. I'm not going to put that down to anything on me. It was, it was a lot of that. that <laughs> You're well. way too, no, way too humble. No, no, no. <laughs> no, trust me. I, I got lucky. That one could have gone a lot worse. And Matt, I would not be sitting here and Matt would be a lot more mad at me if that was the case. But um, I just got lucky. I planned out the race with Matt. Uh, we knew what time I wanted to go in and doing the heats to save myself for the finals, give myself the best chance to win it. And we tried to execute that. And luckily enough, we, we did it spot on. And that got me into the final, but with the most energy to come back and swim the quickest that I could in that race. And next, I think people watching, they see, oh man, you know, like, I don't, I don't know that. I don't know that 85% of yeah. or 90% of Callan Smith is good enough in the prelims and then qualify for the final. <laughs> I, I gotta be honest with you. I just thought you'd just go all out. Yeah. I had no idea like, because I've never kick everybody's butt and then do it again, which is naive and foolish to think, but well, of course it is right. Cause not every wide receiver runs a hundred percent on every single route, you know, and things like that. So Callan, I just think it's so don't like coach Callahan jr. Here you say that. Well, not here elsewhere. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> games I watch on TV, but in, and then when you factor in relays and everything else, you know, how, how much of what happens at those championships or these big events really is done the months prior, right? When you're conditioning and you, cause that's a lot of swimming to do in a four day span where you literally have your whole season right in those four days. That's remarkable. Yeah. That that's the good and bad part, depending on how you look at it, look at it about swimming. Dual meets are great for your record and for comfort confidence and everything. But at the end of the day, it, it comes down to just that those four days in the Mac championships, we can beat every team in the conference in dual meets, but if they all beat us at the MAC championships, it means nothing really. So I like it because it gets us to get up and go for those four days, put everything on the line. But if you get in your head too much and you have like a bad first race, that can just transition to a bad four days. And then obviously you've just heard a season where you might have done well the whole year and it comes down to that last thing, like any bowl game. You can win every game, beat that team three times in a season. But if you lose that final game, that's how like ultimately like the team will be remembered and how the this, this season is reflected upon. How hard is it? We don't have a diving team here and the way for those listening, the way they crown a champion in quotes is they take the, the diving score and the swimming score and that's the Mac champion. Uh, so right off the bat, our swimmers are at a uh, disadvantage in terms of the overall score because we don't have diving. If you tried to dive at our pool, you'd probably jump through the roof first and then break your neck on the way down. Uh, but how does this the team get past that mentality of, of, all right, we already know we're going into this by losing X amount of points. You know, that's, that's hard. And, and it stinks quite frankly for you guys, but like, what, what is the goal there? What's the team mentality? What's the goal there? Just go out and, and let's be the best swim team. Uh, yeah, it's, it's something you look at both ways. Obviously you, we look at it just from the swimming point of view, but at the end of the day, it's swimming and diving. So you can't make excuses about anything. It's it's like starting a football game 14 points down. It's it's pretty rough. Yeah. And it's something that obviously it hurts motivation, but I think we've we've got like a good mentality that we use it at more for motivation is that we have to try catch up that lead. And we've done it a couple of years to some teams that had the diving. Ryder's the only one that we haven't been able to catch yet really, where they've just built up too much of a lead on those diving and we just haven't been able to make it up in the pool. But what an awesome story that would be. Exactly. That's what we're looking forward to this year. Hopefully, hopefully things change this year and everyone can uh, hit Maxwell, great performances, and we can chase down that. I think they start with an extra 120 points. So, And the meet only scores, I think they scored 700 points last year. So it's they're starting with a, a quite a big lead on us already. Yeah, definitely. It's going to make it even better when it happens this winter. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Let's take us out of the pool now for a second, Callan. And, and you know, we, we've Got a little bit of, your, of, you know, the background of where you're from, which is amazing, but right, your Philadelphia Eagles fandom. But but what's one thing that maybe, you know, Greg, myself, Mark, you know, 
fans of Mammoth Swimming don't know about you. You know, we know where you're from. We know you're a tremendous swimmer. We know your great work ethic. What's one thing that either it's a talent, skill, something you enjoy, one thing that we don't we don't know about you just yet? Jeez, that's a hard one. Um, Maybe a hobby. A hobby? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm going to go with just the Reese's aspect. This is a big controversy in America, but okay. I hate Reese's and I don't understand <laughs> why it is a thing. That's quite a take, and, by the way. And I get a lot of hate for it. And I know, <laughs> and I've yet to meet someone that stands stands with me on this one, but they're not a thing in Australia and I do not understand the hype about it. Is it not even uh, like you can't buy them in Australia? No, no, no one wants them. I think that's why it's just <laughs> not good. Do they hate peanut butter? I, I mean, Peanut butter's meant for toast. I don't know why you're putting on chocolate. It's not making it any better. It's, wow. Chocolate's better without peanut butter. Wild. It's amazing our two countries get along so well because this is a big well, one. Well, listen, yeah. I don't want to start any, we don't need any NATO riffs over Reese's and, and the hate of chocolate and peanut butter. So you, I can't walk into a convenience store in, in, in Australia and find Reese's on the. Absolutely not. And if you did, wow. I'd be sending in complaints to that store. Wow. I'd not stand for it in my country. And what you said, so peanut butter belongs on toast. Not with chocolate. So you like peanut butter yeah. and you like chocolate. They just can't come together. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. And mm. everyone always asks me what what the biggest change is coming to America, <laughs> and like they're expecting I don't know they're expecting some some big political like statement or something <laughs> like that. And they're always surprised when I tell them it's the Reese's. I mean, during Halloween and now we're coming up on Valentine's Day. You see all these stupid social media polls like, "What's your favorite?" It Reese's always peanut out. butter cups are yeah. like number one. Yeah, it's my favorite too. But yeah, it's got it got to be most people's favorite. That's awesome. So I then, think all right, I think it's great. The natural follow up then is then what would be your favorite candy? Right. I mean, I just like just just a normal chocolate, like a Hershey's chocolate, just some, a chocolate some cream one, anything like that. Just anything without peanut butter is is my choice. I, I'm amazed that an entire country hates Reese's. It's a continent. Connick, excuse me. That's how ignorant it's I am. Unbelievable. That's how blown away I am by this. It's I, great. I'm shocked because I actually have a friend who went to Monmouth with me who lives in Australia. He actually broadcasts the Australian Basketball League. Yeah. And I never heard this from John. And well, you know what? I'm going to have to have a, a phone yeah, conversation with him. send him a care package, man. Yeah, no, we got, we got like a lot of the same on Mars bars. Everything else is the same. It's just <laughs> the Reese's just, they, they haven't made their way across there yet. Uh, uh, all right. That's great. Uh Talk about being an international student athlete. Um, obviously, there's challenges being away from your family and everything. But it's also, I mean, I, I would like to say w one of the things that I'm hoping when my kids get older, I would love them to do is do a semester abroad. Like, it's awesome. Now you're getting a four years abroad. Um, just just talk about being a student athlete. Talk about being or, or being an international student, being an international student at Monmouth. There are two other Australian swimmers on the team. You know, do you have like a bond? They're both women, but do you have like a bond with them or is it just kind of like, hey, they're on my team and they're from the same country I am? No, nah, no, I definitely have bonds with them. It's something that you don't get from anyone else really on the team. It's just that aspect of home every time you hear those voices. Because the first time I got here, after the first month, uh, the American accent sounds like the normal voice. And I only realize the difference when I hear an Australian accent. So it's always good just to hear their accents and it's just a little bit of a reminder at home every time you hear it. So that's that's why I like it mainly, to be honest, like having the other internationals on the team. Mm -hmm. What about being a student, like a student athlete at, at Monmouth, being an international student athlete, like does it, is it there really no difference or? Um, it's not a great difference. Sometimes it gets a little bit sad when everyone's like, oh, we're going home for Thanksgiving, like can't wait to see my family. And I'm like, ah. Oh. Do people, do you go home yeah, with, with oh, I don't go home, but I go oh, home I mean, go to their yeah, homes. Yeah, yeah. So, like, it's still great to, like, I'm getting invited in, and obviously we don't have Thanksgiving, so it's a great holiday to, <laughs> to share with, like, other families. <laughs> but, like, yeah, you get a little bit sad every every once in a while when they, these family events come up. But other than that, most people are the same. They don't go home too often. It'd Ooh. be the same if I live in California or anything, I'd say. Was it hard to get back with, with COVID? I know that you guys had to jump through some extra hoops to kind of... Yeah, that's always a, uh, um, a bit of trouble going to, going through that. So I don't think I can get back this summer either by the looks of it. But that's fine with me. I get to spend summer here. It's a great place. Uh, Jersey's just great for the, for the summer. It's one of the best things about this state and the school here as well. I'm, I'm happy that you get to experience it too because I think so many students come here. And, you know, I, I'm a grad. Mark's a grad. Right? Greg's been here forever. The summer's the best time. We love the fall and the winter when the student athletes are yeah. competing, but summer is why we live. I mean, here. we're less than a mile from the beach, you know, 
nobody's going to the beach today. It's four degrees out or whatever. No, but in a few months we will be there. Do you, ha have you gotten into, cause I know you have the experience in Australia. Have you gotten into the, you know, the surf scene here in New Jersey or the lifeguard scene? Like, like what is the Callan Smith summer like? Yeah, so the summer that just passed, I didn't manage to get home because of COVID and all the protocols and everything. So I spent the summer lifeguarding here. Thanks to Matt Nunnally as well. He helped me with everything. I ended up getting a job down at Asbury, so right on the boardwalk there. So that was great for me. I managed to stay there all summer, stayed in good shape, got to experience the lifeguarding aspect from a different country, which was just insane. And it was just a great experience, something that you don't get during the year when you're here. The first couple of weeks, it's, it's warm, you can go to the beach, but then after that, it starts getting pretty chilly out. The water's cold. No one really wants to go in. But it was just the difference from the summer. And not many student athletes are on. It's it's fairly quiet. Like, that aspect's always a little bit sad. But the, the heat and everything just makes it worth it. It's so nice. How would the... How does our summer here in Jersey compare to what you're used to in Australia? Because I'm guessing it's all year. Is it is it similar? Would those seasons kind of match up? Um, so we have opposite seasons. So usually I'd go back for American summer. So it'd be winter in Australia, which granted, it's not that cold, but still like... <laughs> it's not like today. It's not today, yeah, right? Yeah, it's, it doesn't doesn't drop below 40 ever. So <laughs> it's, it's still like a little bit chilly though. Like it's 60, 70 most days. I still get pretty cold. But um, no, I like I like the summer here the weather a little bit more just because that it's not 110 every day. We're like, <laughs> like I like the heat, but like after a while that starts to drain on you in Australia. So it's good to just experience a nice warm summer without it. Like you melting every single day. Well, you know, Callan, I know I speak for all of us when, you know, we say really thank you, but not only for coming on, but for kind of educating all of us yeah. to, you know, to the swim program. And uh, yeah, I know you've got a big one this Saturday out at St. Peter's. I got one. I got one more thing we got to jump in on. Of course. Sorry, I'd be remiss if I did not bring this up. Uh, you had broken a, a record of a former Monmouth swimmer. Uh, and then he, by the name of Frank Christian, and then he actually also, he's from Melbourne, Australia. And then he also ended up reaching out to you, I think, via email. Um, yeah. And you guys kind of went back and forth. Uh, I guess that was back in, in 2019. It was a thousand yard freestyle, which seems like a lot of yards. It's a lot of yards. <laughs> it's a lot of yards. Uh, it, how did that go? Like, was that kind of cool? Like, just take us through that a little bit. Because he was a super accomplished swimmer. I, I, I got little notes. I got a cheat sheet from somebody. He's a three-time NCAA Division three champion. Two and nine and two and seventy seven as a freshman. I mean, he was he was an NCAA champion as a freshman. Like, how cool was that? Uh, it was crazy. I remember I first got the email and I, I knew I recognized his name. I was like, what? I I didn't know what it was. I was like, why am I getting an email from Frank Christian? And I opened it up, and as a whole, like, lovely email. He wrote me about his experience at college and like obviously a lot of things have changed since forty years ago when he went here compared to now that I'm here. Well, fifty years ago now, but. Yeah, it was just crazy to see like the similarities and differences and just to speak to him a little about it, a little bit about it and how how it was when he was an international student here and how it's changed a little bit and now how how it is that like I'm here because I think he was a bit curious and he was probably trying to relive some of his glory days because as you sure. said he's a great athlete and one of the best to ever do it at Monmouth. So I think he was enjoying just like hearing what's happened to the program since he's gone back to Australia. That's awesome. I, I found that out last night when we were talking about the podcast at, at the women's basketball game. And uh, Ken Taylor, one of our directors of development, was kind of talking about, he was like, hey, this is a great story. And I was like, well, send me some information. Cause, um, so I know, Eddie, we were wrapping this up, but I just thought it just shot into my head. And I was like, oh, man, I, we got to get this in here. I, I, I got to hear about this. Well, no, and I think that's a, a, such an appropriate way to, to kind of close right the whole conversation. We started, Callan, talking about you know, this great tradition with this program. And then Greg, that's a great job. You, you know, remembering that, right. Bringing it up. Cause now you can draw that line from Frank Christian, like Callan, you said 50 years ago to you and that engaged throughout the whole time and still wanting to be, you know, Callan, it's, I think important for you guys to realize people really uh, care about this program and about your, you know, not only what you guys do in the pool, but outside of the pool too. It's awesome that Frank reached out to you. And for everyone that reaches out, there's probably 50 that are fans of yours. So, you know, whether it's this Saturday against St. Peter's or the second week in February in Buffalo, wish you the best of luck. And we really appreciate you joining us today. No, thank you so much for having us. It's always good to get the swim name out a little bit more around college. So that was great for you guys and great for our team as well we appreciate it Callan. good luck in this weekend and good luck in two weeks cheers guys
so great for the viewers, for the listeners, anyone who loves Monmouth Athletics to hear from all of our student athletes, Greg. Mm -hmm. And I think hearing from Callan, what a unique perspective, international student athlete, a swimmer. That was a very fun conversation in which I learned a lot. It's awesome. We're like knocking it out of the park with, with like Reggie White Jr. was awesome. Stella Clark was awesome. Obviously, Coach Callan and Jeff Stapleton were good. Uh, but Callan was awesome. And, and one of the things that we kind of talked about after was, he, I don't think, I think he's seen his, his, his family one time in the past two years because of coronavirus. Wild. That is like, I, I give him a lot of credit, I give his parents a lot of credit. Like, that's awesome. So, you know, these, this swim team deserves our support. They work their butts off. They're good. And, um, and I'm, I'm glad that it was such a good interview. And I think it's important for people to see the team dynamics that exist in the sports that maybe you don't come watch. If you follow the women's lacrosse team or the baseball team, you're going to understand that team dynamic because you watch the games. But, you know, it's tough in swimming, especially, you know, with some of the COVID rules. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's not the easiest sport to watch. So I think that was really interesting. You know, we only know the Olympic swimming or, you know, like Olympic trials. But to hear Callan's experience swimming, surfing, life-saving, he's an Eagles fan. It's remarkable. <laughs> he hates Reese's. Who knew? All Australians or many Australians. We can't lump all Australians. But We, we need to watch out who hears this because that – that could start an international incident. Or maybe Mars is like going higher. Maybe we can get an a, a, a NIL. I know we can't broker an NIL deal. Maybe can we get the deal? Nah, nobody's paying us. For, they barely pay us for this. So That's fair. If Reese's ain't paying me by now, they ain't going to pay me. <laughs> <laughs> they don't pay you by the by the, the snack. Um, but anyway, no, it was, it was awesome. What do we have on tap over the next this weekend we got lots of home basketball so much home basketball the women are home saturday and monday the men are home on sunday and then a whole new week starts next thursday so come out and see these teams if there's a real easy way to do that if you literally just go to mammothhawks.com slash tickets or call 732-263-5735 you can guarantee your spot and whether you're a season ticket holder who wants to add a couple of tickets to your seats or you know what bring some friends you want to bring a friend or two i want to check out Get out of the house it's a good time to do wear that. a mask i had a buddy recently tell me who goes to a lot of local college basketball games and and he's quite careful throughout this whole process he told me he felt more comfortable at a monmouth game than any game across the kind of new jersey landscape with the messaging about masking so take it from my buddy nick who comes to our games he feels great about it you should too you should bring your friends your family and you know what at least come and say hi to greg socially distanced with a nice little wave say hey greg you do a great job on the podcast <laughs> i don't need that i just need you to come out wear a mask and uh and cheer on our teams because they're good and they're fun to watch and, uh, you know, get out of your house a little bit. You, your significant other's probably tired of looking at you. That's a fair point. I know mine I is. I know mine is. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great time catching up with Callan Smith. MammothHawks.com for all of your information, up-to-date schedules, how to get tickets. Greg, it always is fun. Great job, my friend. You too, Eddie. Till the next time. production of the Monmouth Digital Network. Hawk Talk is available on all major podcast distribution sites, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, Pandora, and more. All rights reserved. Yeah.